0: I remember first uh, getting to Rome and having the other student priests tell me about all of the crazy things that happen in Rome, uh, largely because of the Romans themselves. The saying was to the question, how do you like living in Rome? And the answer was always, I love Rome. I just don't like the Romans. The Romans (laughs) themselves could be pretty obnoxious. And one of the things that would happen frequently is they would have what? They called a manifestazione, which a demonstration. You know, it's a capital city, so they would they would have these big demonstrations about any number of political things, et cetera. And they really loved doing it. And so walking to school and back, you know, oftentimes we'd be having to walk through these different parades and manifestazione um, because of their, you know, just inclination to. Well, I think they were just trying to get days off work, but anyway. Manifestazione, manifestation, manifestation. When we, when we hear the word epiphany, we often think, you know, like light bulb, I had an epiphany. Uh, something that sort of emanates from within ourselves, a realization. But that doesn't really get to the heart of, of what this feast really is about, uh, there's there's a, a greater definition or another definition of epiphany, which is not so much something self-realized, but something that shines forth from, for others to see, something which is made manifest. And so the epiphany is really a manifestation of who Jesus is. And we we see that the Sundays after Christmas, this is what happens. You have The Holy Family, a manifestation of who Jesus is within the family. The the Epiphany, a manifestation of who Jesus is to all the nations. And the next week, the Baptism of the Lord, another manifestation of who is Jesus. And today's manifestation um, is really seen through the eyes of these three foreigners, these magi, scientists or... um, kings or i mean they've been called numerous numerous things but the the point is that three non-jews see this sign and they come to bethlehem to do him homage the lord homage and the gifts are very specific gold frankincense and myrrh gold is a fitting tribute to give to a king so they're recognizing jesus kingship Incense, which we don't use a lot here, but um, certainly you've all seen, you know, incense being used. And the smoke which rises to the heavens, as it were, is a sign of offering sacrifice to God. So the incense is a, an acknowledgment of Christ's divinity. And then myrrh, which is a burial spice used, obviously, after people have died, is an acknowledgement of Jesus' humanity. So what is being revealed then, not just to the Jews, the shepherds and those immediately present at his birth, but what's being revealed to all the nations represented by these three foreigners to that country is that Jesus is king, he is God, and he is man. He is king of all the nations, he is 100% divine, and he is 100% human as well, such that God has seen fit to unite his son and his divinity with our humanity. It's interesting how many times, as Catholics, we have said things about mass, like, well, I'd go, but I don't really get anything out of it. Or I like this mass because I get something out of it. Or I don't like that mass because I don't get enough out of it. There's really an egocentricity that I think is very common for people. The idea that when we go to mass, we ought to receive something first. That the goal of mass is that we get fed. But that's not actually the whole point of the mass itself at all. Not, not firstly, the whole idea of worship is just like what these magi did. They came to Jesus and they honored him first, not expecting anything in return. And they didn't really get anything in return, seemingly, except the ability to honor him and to worship him, which itself was a gift. Such a different way of looking at worship, but it is actually the correct way of looking at worship. It's something we are doing for God, and it's only in doing for God that we can really receive from God. There's so many. I remember uh, growing up. You know, this is not at this church, but at other Catholic churches. Nobody here does this, of course. But you know, some people some people would just go to church and they just they go and they they get communion and run out the door and and well, at least I got communion and. You know, they're doing kind of the bare minimum. They got their thing and the, off they go. That's really, I mean, if you consider that, I mean, consider that in relation to anyone else, going over to somebody's house for a visit and just, well, what time are you serving dinner? Well, I mean, we'd like to entertain you for a little bit. For Well, no, just when is the dinner ready? I'll just show up then. When is dinner time? Six, okay, six. I'm going to show up at six and then I'm going to leave before dessert. And then I'm out of there. You'd say, well, gosh, that's really rude. That's not hospitable at all. But it's really good for us to reflect on this in relationship to what we should be doing, what this is supposed to be about. Little kids will often ask that. And of course, my nieces and nephew. Would ask that, you know, uh, Frunkle John, Father, Uncle John, Fruncle John, why do we have to go to Mass? You know, and I'm like, just go to Mass. Um, Of course, I would always rephrase it and say, Why do we get to go to Mass? Yeah, they'd never like that. I'd say, Is it not fitting that for one hour a week, God asks you to worship Him for all that He's done for you? Is it really too much? And I'm not trying to make it feel guilty, but just really as a matter of justice, is it really that hard of a request to fulfill? one hour a week to worship God? And it's only in the giving that we receive. Just like in, in any relationship, you know, if a relationship is, is uh, really, really imbalanced and, and only one person is giving and the, the other person is only receiving, it's not really that great of a relationship. Ideally, a relationship has, has a mutuality of giving and receiving. And so when we look at our relationship with God, I think very often we're we're drawn to just want to receive. God, do this and this and this and this, and you know, for me, work out my life, fix my life, etc. And it's not that he doesn't want that, it's not that he doesn't desire petitionary prayer, but petitions asking for things without giving anything is imbalanced. The Lord wants mutuality. And so today I invite you, you know, the the Magi bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and while we are more than willing to accept your gold, um, you know, God wants more important things than that even. And God is really interesting in what he's asking us to give. Certainly giving our praise you know, maybe we're in a space in our life where we're just, we really are overflowing with gratitude and giving our thanks. But maybe all we have to give God this day is our pain. Give him that. Maybe all we have to give God is our suffering or our illness. Give him that. Bring these gifts to the Lord and make them sacred so that our suffering is just not meaningless suffering. Our sacrifice is is truly made sacred when it's united to Christ. So if you have goodness and joy right now in this season, bring it to God. If you have sadness, bring it to God. If you have resentment or anger, give it to God. He's, He's strange that way in that he just wants to take what we have. But when he takes it, And when we give it to him freely, he can transform it into something greater than it ever would have been on our own. Please stand.